Welcome to the Safe Haven Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda. The Safe Haven Podcast is a space for you to be real, raw, emotional, vulnerable, hilarious, and or completely carefree. This podcast offers a space for stories to be shared about the lights and darks, highs and lows of life in a judgment-free zone. Join me and my powerful guests as we dive into a variety of conversations and topics. Listen from where you are, as you are. Think, laugh, and cry along with us, whether you're in your car, in your kitchen, chasing your kids, running your business, caregiving for someone you love, getting a mani-pedi while you're in the hospital, a treatment center, sitting on the deck, on the dock, or out for a run. These weekly stories and messages will hit you right in the heart, fill up your cup, and recharge your spirits. Joining me today is the lovely Kelly Lamb, and we are sitting again at the lovely Jessica Lee's place, set up, comfortable, happy, and ready to go. Welcome to the Safe Haven Podcast. Thank you. Yay. I'm so happy that you're here. This worked out very, very well. Jessica, we thank you both. I think, wait, we both thank you. Let's get our grammar right. <laughs> Come on, Lytle. Okay, so yes, we appreciate you so much. Now, you two work together, and that's kind of how we were put in touch. Absolutely. And I can really appreciate how Jessica is being, you know, one of my besties. She's in my front row. She's really kind of rooting me on with all of this podcast stuff. Now, when she reached out, you were super keen. Absolutely. Any any nerves, you know? Uh, Definitely nervous. Yeah. I think it's always hard to share a part of who you are on a forum like this, but really excited. Yeah. So I, I really, I admire that too. I admire that you just jumped in. You're like, yeah, let's go. I feel like that's what you have to do. Yes. Now, can we also note that you just flew in, what, like 15 hours ago? (laughs) Something like that. Yeah. From Korea. South Korea. Yeah. I was there for work. Yeah. So what were you doing there? I was visiting a whole bunch of our schools, looking at um, the places that we send our teachers and visiting the directors there. So I was there for nine days and just flew in. Yesterday. Yesterday. So I'm feeling great. And you had a great sleep? Great sleep. 13 hours, a little bit of NyQuil. Oh, NyQuil. I, yeah. A quick knockout. Quick NyQuil. Yeah, a little. <laughs> the NyQuil knockout. Sometimes you have to. I was feeling a little <laughs> sick, so it was justifiable, but I, I slept like a baby. Good. I'm glad. And you were bright-eyed and bushy-tailed when you just like jaunted up these steps here. So yeah. Hi, I'm here. Yeah. I have arrived. You have arrived. Now, you're born and raised in Vancouver? Born and raised in Abbotsford. Okay. So just down the road and then the interior of BC. But I'm a BC, BC kid through BC and through. BC kid. Yeah. And I get the impression you've traveled a lot. Done a lot of travel. Lived in the UK. Did my master's there in 2015 and moved to Guatemala after that. Guatemala. Guatemala. My girl. I know. Que Very pasa. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you speak Spanish. Get a little bit. Just a little bit. <gasps> Enough okay. to like pretend. Yeah. Okay. To make people think I'm Hispanic and then well, I move on. I like it. Yeah. Okay. Where? And then so Guatemala then where? Um, I moved after that to Langley. Mm-hmm. Just down the road again. Yep. And then Vancouver. So, but in that, I've done a lot of different travel. Very, very awesome. Yeah. How long were you in Guatemala for you? Uh, four months. Four months. Which was a great amount of time. Yeah, it is. Not too long, but long enough to really get an idea for culture. And I taught English while I was there. I was just going to say, what took you there? Yeah, teaching English at a, it was a kind of strange experience, but a home where all of these um, Guatemalan children came to learn English. So kind of like a boarding school. A a boarding school. And how many students were in your class? There were 20 children, 20 students that came to the school every week. Hmm. So, and then we broke up into different classes during the week. Yeah, it was very interesting. And 
what is your line of work now and how does that tie into teaching at all? Uh, yeah, I work for a company called Adventure Teaching. Hello. Yeah, a great company. And <laughs> uh, we send teachers to Southeast Asia for the most part and to Northern Canada to teach English. Um, so I get to manage that team and grow the company and plan for the future. So it's a really exciting job. I might have heard from a cute little bird sitting on a beanbag chair over there that this trip to South Korea yeah. was very much an idea that you had and that you were just like, guys, I think I need to do this. Like, it please was. help me make it. Yeah, we had some amazing schools over there that basically, in my opinion, were really beautiful, but they had never taken photos of their schools. So I went over to create promotional material and build mm -hmm. relationships and basically pitched this idea. And they were like, yeah, get on a plane. So I did. Uh, it's and incredible. we went from there. So, and then I built a trip around that main pitch. Yeah. So yeah, it was a ton of fun. No time. kidding. Yeah. Good for you. Thanks. And do you have ideas as to where you're going to head next? You hopefully, I mean, eventually back to South Korea within the next year, I've made some promises. Oh, uh, I like promises. Yeah, we like promises that include travel um, to China, uh, hopefully then to Vietnam and then the next countries that we develop our company into. So we'll see. We'll keep you posted. Ooh, I like this one. Yeah. So you're obviously going to be back on the Safe Haven podcast. Oh, please. Good. I broke my time already and it's been a couple minutes. <laughs> We like this. Yeah, we like this a lot. Okay, good. I want to start with, so we now know that you were born in Abbotsford and you've done lots of traveling, yes. but can you tell us a little bit about home life? Can you maybe tell us a little bit about what your parents do? Of course. Or did when you were growing up? Yeah. So I grew up in a very large family. There are in total six kids. I usually make people guess where I fall in the birth order because I think it's entertaining. So why don't you take a stab? Okay. Second. Third. Ooh, okay, close. close. That was pretty good considering there's six of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Two older sisters and three younger brothers. So it's a very interesting composition. So in some ways, I feel like the youngest child. And in some ways, I feel like the oldest of the brothers because my two older sisters were fair. They were older than me and closer in age. So they did everything together. Right. Um, my dad was a pastor growing up and my mom was... She, I would say she was a stay-at-home mom, though an entrepreneur. So she started a drama school in our basement, and she had all of these like really cool ways of expressing herself. Very cool. Yeah, lots of fun. when I look back, I go, "Oh my goodness, she she was a large reason of why I am who I am today." Um, but from the outside, I would say our family looked very conservative in a lot of ways. Um, again, dad a pastor. We were homeschooled. There was a lot of us. I remember being super young. And wondering why everybody asked if we were Catholic. And that that basically, I just would like note this question away. And I, I would say I was always a question asker. So eventually I was like, what? why are people asking us that? But basically Catholics don't believe in birth control and there were so many kids. So it was my mom and six kids. Um, and, and basically like that is how religious we looked from the outside. Mm -hmm. And I think a defining part of where I am today and who I am today was that childhood experience. Okay. Where is your family scattered now? I have, great question. Um, we're so many places, but um, all of my siblings are married and live with, uh, my closest brother lives in Vancouver and my sister, the, the furthest away, lives in Kelowna. Mm -hmm. And then we're all mixed in there. So Alder Grove, all around. Awesome. Yeah. Do you see them often? I don't see them often. I would say we um, have been through an interesting family era where my parents... Although we looked very conservative, I think we grew up in a home where they let us choose our own way of belief and lifestyle uh, and basically believed that we had to explore and understand life for ourselves. I remember asking so many times, dad, what do you think I should do? Dad, what do you think I should do? Mom, what do you think I should do? And they would say, like, we trust you that you'll decide and make a good decision. 
So they instill a lot of trust in us. And I think the result of that is that I, our, me and my siblings all have very different values um, and a very different way of expressing who we are. And so we're at the stage as a family right now where I would say we are more distant. And I think that's an okay thing mm-hmm. if you can come to terms with that and go like, this is where we are today. Or just, um, uh, just respect each other's differences. Totally, totally. In, in the ways that people are choosing to work or raise their own families or faith or whatever those things look like. Mm-hmm. I, I would say, even though we looked very conservative as a family, our values have all really been our own. And so some of us don't get along to the same extent that you would yeah. maybe assumed we would have. I think also six kids or six siblings total that's a that's a lot it's a lot of yeah and then if everybody's married yeah that turns really quickly into many many more yes and then kids come along so family gatherings are it's a party yeah to say the least <laughs> <laughs> I you know what talk about chaos a shout out to my sister hey Al uh I'm pretty sure that on her husband's side I think the number that I remember last it and it might even be greater now and it will be next year because Allison's pregnant with her fourth kid there's 52 of them at Christmas and oh my they goodness. rent a hall. Oh my goodness. I know, right? But how much fun because they rent a fun. hall, right? Yeah. So then they've got heaps of space for Location really play. matters. You need a lot of space. Location's if there's 52 key. of you in like a little yeah. living room, like not a great idea. But yeah, hopefully one day we're in a hall and spouses and in-laws and yeah. kids are all there. But we're in a in an in-between stage. And I think part of that is just being okay with tension. Of Yes. We're in a, a familial stage of tension and mm-hmm. that has to be okay. Yeah, it has to be okay. Yeah. For sure. Uh, exploring religion. So what did that look like for you growing up? Yeah. So I grew up in a very charismatic church, um, or the the title of it would be charismatic. It was a vineyard. So um, it was this Holy Spirit movement. Um, and so the, I and we went all around to all these conferences that were very much um, quite chaotic as far as the expression of faith would go. Um but basically, my dad was pastoring or was the interim pastor of a whole bunch of uh, broken churches. And so we would go to these churches for five years or a year. And in between each of these experiences, the kind of reprieve that we found as a family was at more traditional environments. And so it was this like very strange mix of very, very charismatic and, and quite crazy when I look back on it. And then also very traditional, but basically was always in church settings and Sunday school and a lot of my friends and school experiences were faith-based and so it it was a part of my family and my own experience growing up in a very integrated way Mm -hmm. do the friendships that you had then still exist now yes and no some of them for sure more through university um i went to trinity western so it's a christian school um and a lot of my friends still stem from that but a lot of my friends from childhood we moved at a i when i was 16 to the uk um, as a family. And I would say at that That's point, a big move, all six of you went as yeah, kids with yeah, your parents. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Gigantic it, move. Okay. What really, took you there? Really big move. My dad actually had a ministry opportunity there and they, we were like, yeah, we had this beautiful home, incredible life set up in Abbotsford and basically decided for that. They wanted to have an adventure with six kids, which I think is incredible. That is massive. Most families won't do that kind of thing. So we sold everything like house, cars. We all kind of pared down our lives to a box, put it in storage and then moved to the UK, which was amazing. So we lived in a town called Canterbury 
And I would say that move alone probably changed the trajectory of my life and okay. my curiosity and my kind of zeal for... Well, even the fact that you went back there for your master's, yeah. right? You clearly felt so connected. Totally. And it's, I mean, the culture there is incredible. Mm-hmm. So uh, I just watched The Crown to feel like I'm back. Yeah, like, oh, I love, cool. I love the Brits. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would say when I moved at 16, that kind of changed my friendship base and my trajectory. But 16 is a really awkward stage to move anywhere, mm-hmm. let alone from the life that you've known most of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I could go so many different directions (laughs) from this. This There's a lot there. Yeah, Yeah. this is really cool. Like trying to unpack this even is really neat. Can I go to, I want to go back to Trinity Western. For sure. Okay, so Trinity Western, what did you study? I studied international, well, I started in the School of Business, got a little bored because I didn't want to be an accountant, Yeah. which is kind of the trajectory they set you on. I was like, I love numbers, but just not that much. Mm -hmm. And so moved over to international studies and then a minor in business. So international also really weaves through your yeah, life, eh? Oh, yeah. I love I love learning from other cultures and places. Big time. Yeah. After you had graduated, what did you decide to do next career-wise? I, oh, I was going to go in the direction of business and marketing and sales uh-huh. just because I like felt like that was the place where I could expend enough energy to kind of really fuel my days. I was okay. like, oh, I'm going to give this a shot. And then actually there was a, a turnover in the presidency at Trinity and the president of Trinity asked me to come back and serve as his intern. Um, there was a hiring complicated hiring freeze and he basically asked me to come back. So I worked there for a year um, to help him understand the university a bit more and, and get a kind of inside scoop of the leadership there, uh, which was a great opportunity. And then um, ran a bed and breakfast. What? And then decided that actually what would be a great idea is to do my master's and I really want to leave. So I'm going to do it somewhere else was kind of the decision-making process this is incredible to me so yeah what a what a what a zigzag Thank, well I I now say about my life I say the switchback life if yeah. you're a hiker the switchback life is the preferred life because my life is just one big zigzag kind yeah. of in some direction but not definitely not a straight line no exactly and I mean as much as there is direction or there's some sort of cohesion there's an end goal or a goal if you will but right yeah but there's lots of zigzags along the way exactly switchbacks yeah switch the I switchback like life is the preferred life very awesome yeah religion yes let's go there let's go there okay let's dive in let's do it can be very controversial is very controversial yes let's say that it is because it is okay we're not going to beat around bushes here we're right? not I like you're not. like a no bullshit kind of person I really <laughs> I really like this that's me okay let's go there then okay let's talk about some controversial issues that you have either been diving into yourself or you know have been hearing about that have just sparked your own mindsets and jump in well, that's that's a big invitation I appreciate that yes I would say it's very open-ended for a reason it's very open-ended <laughs> I think just so religion is one thing. I think having having a faith and being stating that you're a Christian, at least today in Vancouver, is itself controversial. Um, and I think that is something that we also just have to say is okay. Like it is controversial to to hold hold fast, if you will, to religion post childhood. And I feel like there's also this like very strange dimension where if you haven't doubt uh, walked away from your faith, like you haven't thought it through enough. I would say that that would be another really interesting dimension of like having a faith into your adulthood. Um, there is so much controversial, I think, around how the church treats different sections of our society that probably isn't for this podcast, maybe another one. 
Um, but some of the controversial subjects that I have found myself really interested in recently is where women fit into mm -hmm. the narrative of the gospel yeah. um, and in, into society and into church life. Um, so that has been the fuel, if you will, that has probably kept me engaged in the conversation of Christianity mm -hmm. kind of 25 and onward yep. um, and is the thing that makes me keep coming back. Now, had had the idea of the role or the narrative of women throughout religion and gospel, like you're saying, did, was there something specific that got you thinking about that around 25 years old or has it always been on your mind or was it just more in the forefront of your mind for some I, reason? Yeah. So I, I would say that I was blissfully unaware of challenges of, of women in the gospel until I actually took a stand and and moved actually towards the priesthood, which is something that um, is another zigzag in my journey, which is I basically wanted to participate more fully in ministry. I think um, there's room to to explore what it looks like to, s to serve people in the church. And I think the church is like in a lot of ways fundamentally flawed. Um, so I wanted to like participate in the narrative of the church. And so I was like, okay, what are what are my opportunities here? And ran into some challenges. Um, and some like significant loneliness around what it looks like to be a woman in ministry. And then I basically opened my eyes and I was like, oh, this is this is a lot of women. And there are a lot of people who have tried to kind of step further into the, either their occupations within the church or in life in general. And really not finding a place where where Christianity and being a woman kind of collides. Mm -hmm. And so I took that step and I was greeted with a lot of questions, a lot of kind of um, curiosity, a lot of people didn't understand. And then basically my eyes, if it's a time travel, it feels really strange to say, but I basically like had a reverse view of where women fit, fit in my own understanding of my own past and then historically. And then you just, what you can never unsee what you see. And so I basically was like, oh my goodness, where, where do we fit? And I'm gonna ask this question really loudly. Um, to myself primarily and then to the closest people around me and then I just kept asking so it's been a very strange journey but yeah it was my initial journey into like basically wanting to be a part of the church and serve in the church that started this giant question for me oh you amaze me well thank you I'm really intrigued by you okay yeah but big time this must have created some rift in your life Huge drift, huge drift. Yes. Let's go there. I want oh, you to yeah. tell me about some maybe issues that have come up or some rifts that have been created because of this. Yeah. This discovery. Yeah. Oh, so many rifts. I I would say the the hardest one for myself to overcome um would be that I feel like I have the courage to speak up mm -hmm. and to say something and most people's responses to me is why are you angry? Really? Okay. Yeah, and I I don't I just really don't think I'm angry. Um, but basically, I feel like I was trying to express this like really, really deep ache. And so in one regard, I think the the like biggest riff was between me and myself in a non-crazy way of going like I have believed something and been very, very calm in my understanding of Christianity and culture. And then I basically have had a earthquake in the way I understand how this all fits together. Mm -hmm. And now what do I do? And I think there are I mean, there are a few places to turn in that moment I've tried to turn to women who have been down the same road um now when you say women that have been down that same road are you finding that there are many women in the same 
spaces you or are you finding that you're pretty alone or are you finding that people are less likely to talk about this so yeah openly? I would say one of my biggest grievances there I go there is that women who have been down a road of being able to articulate their faith whether in a ministry sense or in an academic sense mm-hmm. or maybe they're authors I I would say that they they struggle so hard to find their own way mm-hmm. that basically by the time they find their own way and they're on their own path most of the time they have kids or maybe grandkids and they basically become too busy to lead you down the same path. And so then every generation is stuck finding their own path as a woman in ministry or an occupation. And so it's this kind of cyclical occurrence where we're all actually working for the same end rather than being coached down it. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I just, I want to kind of go back to what you had just said about how, what you were noticing is that the women that you say may have been kind of on the same path or thinking or questioning the same things that you were questioning as to the role of women, may I ask? Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like that's very much expected or is the expected role of women in Christianity. Can we go there? Let's go there. Let's go there. Okay, so is is that considered expected? Like, are you expected to just get married and have kids? I would... We're, we're going there. We're, let's do it. Okay, so <laughs> I, let, I grew up in a Mennonite... Uh, community Abbotsford is very and went to a Mennonite school okay. for four four formative years across the board that would vary culturally that would vary I would say my own upbringing like I I would thank the Mennonites for two things they value family and they value work and I think that has been ingrained in me as a person um but yes I would say that a lot of Christians would read the Bible in a context that would suggest that women ought to like it is a good and holy and great thing to have a family and to serve your husband and serve your children. I don't think that that's bad on its own necessarily. I think there's just more. So yes, I would say that on a whole Christians have, I think they have a higher view of family in general, mm-hmm. or maybe they view family as a calling is the best way to say it. Yep, that they think purpose is family. Yep. And I think family is something that is, not life's entire purpose mm-hmm. dare I say yeah no, I that's it's so interesting because now this is bringing up a conversation that I've had very recently about my choice to maybe not have children and without jumping into my side of the story mm-hmm. it's you know having been told a few times over the course of my life whether it's health related or otherwise that I may or may not be able to have kids so I've digested that a few times and you know I've thought about that and then the older I get the more I question is is being a mom what I want and I might be a mom one day mm-hmm. but I might not mm-hmm. and that's okay yeah and that has no that has no impact on who you are as a person no but right. but this conversation that I had a couple of weeks ago really got me thinking about my own purpose and it almost kind of had me questioning like should I just switch up things right now and actually start thinking of a different life and I, I like the fact that you know different conversations have you thinking about different things absolutely but but no, I, I shouldn't necessarily switch and switch what I'm doing or stop chasing the goals that I have created for myself that mm-hmm. that help make me feel fulfilled. Right. Because in some way I am helping other people with my line of work and, and with my hobbies and such. But even the fact that I started questioning, should I be a mom? Is my purpose to get married and, and to have kids? And uh, no. That's must, I don't think so. But yeah. other people think that yes. Yes. And I would say on a whole, I would say it is a, a understanding 
I would say more from church life than than necessarily the Bible or from Christ that family is the way you do things. And I think it then becomes a goal of of Christians is family primarily and then whatever happens after that is kind of icing on the cake. So it's a very interesting priority that I don't think is necessarily fully scriptural, like found in scripture, but is something that is preached in church, which is controversial, very mm-hmm. controversial. You can keep going with that. Where should we go? Oh, gosh. I like this game. May I ask you if you want kids? I I think that there's probably a missing question in there, which is I would – I think – oh, wow. Most days, I think so. Mm-hmm. And I think I could be pushed over yes or no. Mm-hmm. I think that it is so part of a larger context in my own life, though. I think – I, I would I don't think I'd want to have kids by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess then the question asks, do I want to be married? Mm-hmm. Um, and I go yes or no on that one as well a lot of the time. Yeah, I think fundamentally, yes, partly because our world is fairly lonely. And I think we use marriage as a way to fix that, mm-hmm. though I think probably can make it worse sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I think yeah yes to marriage and family because that is what we do as we do really do do that as a culture I think as western culture we say our best way of experiencing togetherness is marriage and family I think if we look back back through history or in other cultures I think there is a lot more room for community which is something that we don't have in our western world and so it seems that actually it's really our only option unless you want to die alone Mm -hmm. that sounds a little bit morbid but if that's not the option then what is would mm-hmm. be a really good question but then I think Christians kind of capitalize on that sentiment mm-hmm. and take it to the nth degree and then mm-hmm. it basically if you're not married where do you fit would yeah. be a question that well, they ask and that's it too I mean that's it even when you're thinking about how you're going to title the person that you've chosen to spend the rest of your life with right right I, and I mean even that that got me thinking too because I was in a, a conversation with some girlfriends a while back Um, it was a girls weekend and we were talking about marriage and do you want to be married and the difference or the comparison between sharing your life with someone and not getting married not sharing a last name but basically you've chosen or vowed without a ring on it or a ceremony to share your life with this person and to commit to them for life but you don't have the documentation that says that you've done that right right so why get married right Right. Or I've had even partners in the past that have challenged that or they've they've said to me something like, why do you want to get married? It's just a piece of paper. It's more than a piece of paper. So then that has me questioning my own beliefs of marriage. And and I think, too, that even with my own personal upbringing, it's been very much I've I've always seen myself getting married, but not just getting married to have a family. Right. Just to get married because I see myself sharing life with someone. And And life ought to be shared. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I had never, I think maybe more so as I got older and as I just explored the world and what life is to me and what I personally value Mm -hmm. and obviously different experiences help shape that. Yeah. Then I started pulling away from that religious aspect of what the institution of marriage is. Right. So that in itself has shaped how I view marriage. And I mean, but oh my gosh, we could go on about that because then even you th- you look at divorce rates. Right. And how that is more accepted now than it's ever been. Right. But it's just because it's so common. Yeah. Right? It really is. But yeah, 
great call with even like the, the fact that we needed to unpack that single question because do you want to get married? Maybe, maybe not. Right. It's also going to, the person that you meet or potentially want to spend the rest of your life with, now you have to factor their values into it. Right. Right. And I don't think we do that very well. And I think the hardest part about being part of the Christian community is I think that we, we are really quick to categorize and basically keep, create one camp or the other do you believe this or do you believe that Very and much. we need to believe this and yeah. we're to all be on the same page and I think there's I think there's a, a whole world of tension in there that we do actually don't acknowledge so it, it becomes quite complicated yeah when you mentioned tension earlier and familial tensions they can they can run deep do you feel pressure to settle down have kids or well, I guess in the proper order, right, would be settle down, <laughs> get married, and then start a family. Have you felt those pressures? No, I I haven't, to be completely honest. I, I mean, maybe if I stayed in Abbotsford and in, in, in that particular community I was in growing up, potentially, I would say the opposite. I, I think that I've had a really incredible life and I'm really proud of the things that I've gotten to be able in in the most humble way possible Mm -hmm. like incredibly satisfied with the ways that I've gotten to live um and the experiences that I've had and I would say uh, settling down is like one of my biggest fears I go like I would never want to marry somebody with the intention of settling down I would want to marry somebody only if life could open up more you're my kind of people. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I go like I settling down sounds like not that great. Yeah. Whatever people mean by that. I'm not really sure. Like, well, is it I know. And strap then, yourself with a mortgage? I don't really know. Right. I know. And then but then I also feel like when people start asking you these kinds of questions, it's almost like you aren't living up to their expectations of you in some way. I think it's because the the church and the Christian community says there is a right way or there's a better way of doing things. And the the best way we know how to do things is to create this code of conduct that says marriage is primarily the best way to like cohabitate. And I think if you're going to do that, marriage sounds like commitment is a great thing. I don't know why we're afraid of it. So if I do come across somebody that I'd like to spend the rest of my life with, I would love to marry them. I think great. But I also think that there is more to life than just marriage. Mm-hmm. So it's like we stop the conversation at marriage when it goes, okay, and then what is your vocation or what is your calling or what is your purpose, regardless of your marital status? So why, as a church, do we stop with the, the like, who you decide to partner with? Mm-hmm. That's my main question. I like that, too. Yeah. Like, why, why, do we end, why do we stop the conversation there? It's almost, in one regard, irrelevant. Like, I kind of don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why do we care so much? Can I can I pick out something that you Please just said, too? Do. Even just about life's purpose. Do you feel like you have found yours? Do you feel like you're working towards yours? Do you feel like you have one at all? I, I certainly feel like I'm working towards it. I think that I would have viewed purpose as, like, something that occurs to you for most of my life. Like, something is given to you from I, the divine. But I think, actually, what has occurred in my own life is due to a book I read by Parker Palmer, big shout out to him, um, is basically that like if you look internally and you go to your darkest place and you like wade through all of your stuff and you kind of come out the other side, that is where your life's purpose and vocation usually points you. Um, and so it's like very mysterious, but it is also one of those things I think we like look externally for things to define us when really he's saying like go inside and mm-hmm. explore the basement of your life 
And in exploring the basement of your life, you actually find who you were meant to be. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing I think we're all avoiding. And I think often in Christian conversations, what we're avoiding too is the basement. And we're like, look at my like fancy upstairs with all of my like Instagram babies. When actually it's like, no. It's a highlight reel. I totally. And I'm like, actually it's in the basement and in the darkest places where we're articulating the beauty that we are meant to expose to the world around us that we never actually do. Well, even like, you know, completely strip religion off of that, even that mindset very spiritually is it's so much about mm-hmm. turning inwards and digging deep. Totally. Right? So, so you have to go there. Yeah, you do have to go <laughs> there. Go, yeah. So in, in the work that you have done or what are some of the biggest maybe confronting moments that you've had in your life yeah. kind of trying to navigate what your own purpose is? That's a great question. I think it's been years of turning of journeying into my basement. And I think I think one of the main things that if you are single past 21 in the Christian world is am I enough? And I think we ask that question of each other. I think regardless of religion or not is am I enough? And we're asking that in a comparison context all of the time to mm-hmm, each other. Mm-hmm. And I think eventually you have to sit with your own stuff and you have to go I am enough. And I think really that's the first stage in walking into your basement of going, I'm enough. And then I'm going to keep journeying. And sitting with that. Totally. Yeah. And I think we're really quick to like coach ourselves with a lot of modern kind of great sentences around how great we are. But actually you have to sit in that and go, do I, do I fundamentally believe I'm enough? That's it. That's what I was just going to say yeah. is that I feel like it's so easy to say it. It's another thing to actually wholeheartedly believe it. Totally. And, and I, I think that, it, that takes work. I think it takes years. I think we think it's a really quick process or this kind of overnight. And I think maybe some people come to it overnight. Yeah. For me, it's been a really, really long process. Lots mm-hmm. of good books, therapists, spiritual directors of, yeah, I'm enough. Yeah. And it, my accomplishments and who I am, who I am on the outside actually is irrelevant to my enoughness. Um, and I think it, it takes a long time to actually get there. I anticipate that that will be like mid thirties. I'll actually be be there. Yeah. But we think it's quick and easy and quite beautiful. I just think it's really ugly. Yeah. Trying to get there. Exactly. I love that you highlighted that it's ugly because it is and it's difficult. And Jess actually highlighted even in our episode about how self-love, for example, Mm -hmm. I love the sliding scale idea is because you don't just go from I hate myself to I love myself. It's often a sliding scale of you just have to accept exactly where you are in a moment Mm -hmm. and today or the fact that you could feel differently this morning when you wake up to when you go to bed tonight and put your head on your pillow and whether it's worse or better or or whatever it is it's just being present in that moment and understanding that yes you are enough regardless of how you're feeling in that specific moment yeah but just constantly trying to transform and evolve and hold yourself accountable for that growth Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and I think the world really does yell at us that we're not that we're not enough and that we're not all loved. the time I think we're over we're in a society that is over sexualized yep. I think the pressures on our life financially I mm-hmm. think we live in such an extreme context where nothing is ever going to be enough mm-hmm. that to actually get to the place where we are is yeah it just takes so much energy and work and I don't think there's enough space for that to Mm-mm. voice that so I would say that would be the first step in, in going into your internal basement good one yeah I like the inter- I like the actual term internal basement because that does kind of give that visual of being a a dark place that you don't go often yeah and we've all been afraid of our basement like growing up who wants to go to the basement everyone wants to run up the stairs like batman's chasing (laughs) you like you know that down there somewhere there are canned peaches in a cellar but to get there you have to like go down those cold steps yeah and don't want to be there no not at all no but i'm like going for the canned peaches so (laughs) oh i love canned peaches aren't they good yeah yeah 
I'm spiraling back to one more thing. Go, keep going. Okay. Life's purpose. Mm-hmm. Do you feel it shifts? Do you feel it is a single, a single entity? Or do you feel that you can have more than one in your personal opinion? Oh, I think you can have more than one purpose. And I think it does shift and it does evolve. And I think it, yeah, I think it is constantly evolving the more that you know who you are and the more that you know who you are within your community. Um, hopefully we ha- we all have a resemblance of a community. But for me, my I would say th- over the course of, I would realistically the last five years into my early 30s, I would say that my purpose has, I've been able to articulate it more to myself more and more clearly and I keep coming back to the same major themes but the maybe how that's expressed keeps evolving but I would say that we are slow to name that for ourselves I think because it also requires a lot of us to go like actually this is my purpose and this is what I'm going for again there's not a lot of roadmaps for that and Mm -hmm. especially in the Christian context I would say we preach kind of calling and purpose really well Mm -hmm. but no mechanism of of what it looks like to actually name those things and then start to become those things. Mm-hmm. Themes. What themes. are your common themes? I have said to myself since I was probably 17, I will preach the gospel with my life, uh-huh. uh, which is, again is a tough sentence to actually admit on a podcast in Vancouver. Um, I am an entrepreneur and, and I've always known that about how my brain works. I am a writer and artist and I am meant to help and serve others in a way that is actually helping them, not thinking that I'm helping them by making myself feel good. And there's a whole kind of service complex that I think comes with the Christian community as well. That is a big conversation. Yeah, I know. I was just going to say that is one that we could really, really go off on. That could be like an episode in itself. Just Probably. even, Yeah, for real. Yeah. Um, serving the greater good or, you know, serving your community. I know huh, I can ask you to Coles notes it and maybe we'll take that kind of next step. But if you can Coles notes, the po- let's go the positives and the negatives that can be associated with serving the greater good or serving your community. Yeah. Because like you just said, that's basically opening a can of worms. It, it, it totally opens a can of worms. Yeah. I think that service, I, I honestly think part of where service comes in is in care for the other. I think that we can never know ourselves if we don't know God and if we don't know others. That actually to just like come to a form of self-awareness and purpose in, in in who you are solely is you come to a degree of understanding, but never fully. And so then in faith, like the other gets brought in and then early on you get taught to serve and to care for. Um, and in scripture, the widow and the orphan in their distress. And so there's this huge narrative about looking after. But I think that we often do that from a place of unhealth rather than like an airplane, I put on my air mask and then I'm going to put on somebody else's air mask. So are we actually helping if we're helping, like, are we aiding well or are we helping other people well? Or are we just like making, are we ticking a box of like service Mm -hmm. without actually doing the hard work of going actually sometimes to help people is to say, stay silent or sometimes to help people means help them get a job rather than just give them a handout, which is again, like incredibly controversial. And that's where the studies come in of actually, I I don't know if what we think is helpful is actually helpful in our modern world. Um, But I think as, as Christians, yeah, you think that you just have to help ceaselessly help everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, But without looking after yourself or without understanding boundaries or without being smart about that help, just help. Mm -hmm. 
which is, I mean, great. I, I would not want to be a part of a major world religion that was about being narcissistic. Right. So in one regard, it's like a great attribute, but often I would say lacks, yeah, it lacks critical thought, which I think most things do. So yeah. <laughs> I'm not surprised by that. Okay. I, now, actually, that is a great spin because when you even think of critical thought or when you think of... Um, I want to turn that towards now stigmas, right? Yeah. And stigmas and negative stigmas. Yeah. So I'm just going to throw this at you. Yeah. If I said, what are the top five negative stigmas that you think come with the word Christianity? Go. Number one, because of the world we live in, the way that Christians treat the LGBTQ plus community uh, are kind of very black and white understanding of the world around us. I think there's a negative stigma that, all like church don't think about church just go and if you don't go there's a problem with you um I I do love church but there's some I think issues that we could talk about those would be the in my mind the top three Mm -hmm. and then I think yeah I think the way that we've done missions work globally looks like colonialism (laughs) oh yeah which is like missions is super important but again are we thinking about how we're doing it and why are we doing it and to what end that's four. That was four pretty quick ones. Well done. Thank you. Yeah. I, I might come up with a fifth, but I don't want to give you some cheap answer. I would say those would be my four top ones. I love that you've put that much thought into it, though, too, and that yeah. you're actually willing to hold space for that fifth. Oh, well, then, sorry. If we're looking from the inside, I would say, like, women in leadership in the church would be... Got it. Okay. Yeah. I think, yeah, we're far behind culture on where women fit. Okay. Which I'm surprised that's my fifth. Let's be real. Yeah, but, but you know, line, you know what though too is actually when I had when I came up with that question on the spot. Yeah, I was thinking when you say the word Christianity or when it's heard out in just everyday chit chat in society, someone's a Christian. What do you think about them? Kind of thing, you know. I, and and right. What, what else would you have said in that? Because I think that the the, the you, I, your top three nailed it in okay. my opinion. Yeah, and, and I, that's I want to spiral back to those. Yeah. So even when you were talking about the LGBTQ community, yeah, may I ask you, in your opinion here, is it as accepted as widely as it quote unquote should be? It's a huge conversation. It's gigantic. Gigantic. And I, I would say for Christians in this community, and I think I'll leave it here for today, yep. is unless you're willing to live in tension, I, I, and I have said this to people, unless you're willing to live in tension, mm-hmm. then I'm not willing to have this conversation with you. And most people won't want to have the conversation because I think it's a conversation full of tension. Yes. Of like, where should the church land? Where should they not land? And I like, why? Yeah, it's a huge, it's, it's a huge conversation. I love having it, but again, most people aren't okay with tension. Yeah. Um, and so once they're like, yeah, I'm up for this, then I'm like, great, let's go. But I would say the, the church's number one job is to to love. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say to love. And then I think there are truths around that yes. that are really tough to articulate that most people don't. And then we get into this like very strange conversation where nobody's actually speaking directly to each other and creating enemies without even talking. And mm-hmm. I go like, guys, let's let's get the right people in the room and let's have a good conversation about this. But that doesn't usually happen. But I would say, yeah, the, the like the extent to wh- where there's a theological conversation about this and how the church should should treat people, I think, is a is a totally, totally different conversation. Yeah. But overall, I would say the church hasn't responded necessarily well. Mm-hmm. And then the media okay. loves that. The media is like, oh, well, it's, it's because they just want to highlight things that aren't going as smoothly in, in society. As they yeah. Could be. And also, like, I would say the hardest part about being a Christian is that 
everybody assumes that you should be perfect. Like we are as human as the next person. Yes. And we're actually some of the people that are willing to admit that the most of I am human and I fail. And like even the 12 step program is built on our own smallness. And so I go like, why isn't there the same kind of grace externally on this group of people? I mean, historically we've judged and started wars and there's a whole bunch of reasons why people have a bad view of Christians. But I go like, can you view us with the same generosity you'd view yourself? Cause that's, that's my intent. Mm-hmm. But yet somehow we lack generosity in the conversations toward Christians. And for that, I go like, where is where is freedom of religion? Mm-hmm. And that kind of comes back to even where we'd started this conversation. Totally. Just even the fact that within this city, you feel like there might be that lack of freedom or that sense of the lack of freedom to yeah, talk it's about Yeah, super openly. unpopular. Super unpopular. Yes. Which is okay. I'm fine with that. But, but I know how, I now know yeah. how confident you are in yourself your experience, right. your education, everything yeah. that you have to offer. And as you navigate life and your purpose becomes more clear. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. But other people that haven't necessarily had the experiences or opportunities as right. you. Yeah. They would feel as right. safe. And then therefore they would stay in their Christian circle. Yeah. Where values are very clear and truths are very defined and life yeah. is very safe. Right. And so then you get this a chasm between church life and secular life, quote unquote. Unfortunately, podcasts can't see my air quotes. <laughs> I can. Thank you. Um, but yeah, you get this chasm where I don't think there should be a chasm. You go like, actually, because we're so afraid of these conversations and because we're so afraid of our differences, Mm -hmm. actually, we live in these two totally different lands. And there are days where I think living in a land where like being a mom and and kind of waking up and feeding your baby and drinking coffee and watering your cacti sounds like a very relaxed (laughs) life. Like, I mean, come on. There's days where you go like, wow, here I am like cycling to work and making ends meet and being purposeful that actually like it would be easier to live in a camp where you just decide to believe all truths and kind of carry on in a very certain subculture yeah and actually yeah I think let's build bridges between these two and see what happens yeah which is my life's intent let's build bridges come on oh I am loving this so much oh me too yeah I'm kind of spiraling on this bridges thing though too yeah go for it what bridges do you feel you have either continued creating with others or have started building yourself? I think in my own circle of friends, I am continuously building bridges about, I'm coming back to where women fit in mm-hmm. this narrative. Yep. Um, I am like, I will build a bridge over time to, to help people walk into this conversation. Um, a lot of people don't want to have the conversation. Right. So, and that's okay. Like I, I Yeah. Like you said, okay, so there's people that aren't willing to have this or that aren't comfortable having this kind of conversation. However, there are more that are maybe feeling more comfortable having these kinds of conversations. And I really believe so much in this podcast that you have no idea who who is listening. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that this might allow some listeners to feel more comfortable Mm -hmm. sharing their voice absolutely and hopefully they do yeah and I think that's part of it is have the courage and I mean if there was a very metaphorical bridge it would be to like help lead people to their own courage because I think actually at the end of the day courage is the thing that allows you to speak up and and I think once you can voice your first question about whatever 
part of life we're talking about. I think once you have the courage to yeah voice that first question of hey, what do you think about? Mm-hmm. Then actually like there's room to actually explore more of who you are and what you're about. Mm-hmm. But I would say we live in such a fear. It's it's almost as much as we're so open and liberal as a culture, we're actually so fear based. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, it, it's like it's bizarre. It's almost so so liberal that we're back to conservatism. Conservatism. I can speak. <laughs> and we're almost like there again. Yes. Where I go, actually, we're so afraid to be different in this liberal context that it's kind of frightful. And so if I can lead people to their own courage, what can we all become? Yes. I mean, amazing. Yeah. Really. Yep. Super. But you have to have the courage to go there. Mm-hmm. It sounds as if you are super open and super welcome to really starting that conversation. Mm-hmm. And if people listening are, you know, screaming at whatever device this sound is coming out of, this podcast <laughs> is coming out at, like, I'm in the same boat as you, or I've had these same feelings, or I'm on the same page as you, or or I totally waves, disagree, or I totally <laughs> disagree. Yeah, that's bridge building, though, right? It is yeah. bridge building, and I just want to make sure that it's okay that we can link your, you know, whether it's an Instagram handle or whatever, your contact details here. Oh, for sure. To the podcast notes so that, you know, if this conversation or bridge building is going to con- continue. Yeah, of course. Shall we? Yeah, continue. So an Instagram handle is Kelly Rose Lamb. You got it. Kelly Rose Lamb. What a beautiful name, by the way. Thank you. Very, very nice. Thank you. I have two, potentially three. We'll see how we go. Okay. Semi hard hitters. You ready for these? Oh, I think so. Okay, here we go. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Drum roll. Yeah. What are you most proud of? I am, that is a big question. I would say this year is the first year that I can answer this question that I am truly okay with who I am. That is a beautiful answer. Yeah. And I now, think. Now, what has it taken or what had prevented you from? being able to experience that pride oh I think just trying to uh, live up to certain expectations or wanting to fix or change certain things or you know when I meet this goal or this goal or this achievement and finally a lot of hard work a therapist a spiritual director lots of writing yeah I go like this is who I am and I and I love it this is this is who I am Mm -hmm. and I'm not that sorry anymore I'm about to sing a song by Beyonce called sorry but I'm not going to we'll say that later (laughs) Sorry. we could do that yes um but i'm not sorry so no. and i think it takes a long i think it takes a lot of maybe not a long time for everybody i think it takes a lot of work to get to that place where you go this is me rocket girlfriend 2020 i'm telling you oh it's gigantic i can already feel 2020 <laughs> is is booming yeah we are planting some mega seeds for 2020 all of us it's gonna be good holy yeah oh great answer thank you number two ready yeah here we go what do you want to be known for I want to be known for somebody who is not afraid of the truth. And I think that can come in a lot of different ways in a lot of different forms. And I think the word itself, truth, scares people. But mm-hmm. I will be somebody who will fight for honesty. Whether that's like I need to be honest with myself or whether I create a space for people to be honest with themselves mm-hmm. or culture to be honest with itself. I think I want to be somebody that's known to not shy away from truth and to be courageous in all things. Does that another, make sense? Oh yeah, it does. Yeah. That's another great answer. And I really like that you turned that on yourself, you know, just to, that you're going to fight for honesty within yourself, oh. you know, and really that introspective nature is, it's really powerful. Oh, it's, it's super fun. And I go, and maybe it's the Enneagram eight in me where I just like love the challenge, but I've started asking 
myself this question and therefore everybody that I'm, I've met for maybe the last month or two is what do you need to take extreme ownership for in your life? So I asked that of myself of like, what do I need to take ownership for that I've been like blaming things on? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I've been at like everybody who will answer that question. I'm like, what do you think you need to take ownership for? And it's interesting too, because you could even ask yourself that several times throughout a day and your answer is oh, going to yeah. change. It's going to change. Or maybe there is one thing where you're like, oh man, there's this one thing mm-hmm. that I know I just like really need to own and I, I'm responsible for that change. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's like not, I don't want to shy away from the truth of whatever that is mm-hmm. in one regard. So yeah, to always fight for, for truth. And I think there's a lot of it today. And I think we like really shy away from that as a culture and as a people. Yeah powerful yeah thanks well yeah. great questions yeah I yeah they're they're pretty good ones actually really I'm, good. I'm really into them too yeah now because I want these listeners to know where they can hear more from you yeah so I'm totally holding you accountable to oh, this dear, FYI oh, too yeah Kelly has these dreams and goals for mm-hmm. 2020 big dreams yeah yeah hashtag big goals oh, big goals okay <laughs> and this includes a podcast. It's true. Very yes. true. I'm really, really looking forward to oh, this. Oh, well, thank you. And I am going to help you in every way I know how because I have made every single mistake you can make getting a podcast going. Uh-huh. And I'm happy to share all of my fails and all of my successes to make sure that you can have optimal sound. Thank you. And you don't have to drag around a silly little mic that breaks on you. Hey, I appreciate that so much. I got you. Yeah. I've already started a note in your phone. I love it. Really. (laughs) I know I'm off to get my kit later. Yes. Okay, great. And can you give the listeners just because I can imagine that there are so many people that are ready to hear more from you. And what is your podcast going to be about? My podcast Mm -hmm. is going to be about loneliness. And although that may sound like a pretty awkward topic, I think it's one of culture's most tabooed issues. Um, And as I like to do life, I'm going to hit it straight on. And so it's going to be myself on a co-host and we're going to talk about um, in a comical way and in a serious way and sometimes an academic way with different guests, loneliness in our current culture. Can you, I've got, okay, I decided I've got one more question. (laughs) It's just on the spot. (laughs) Okay, go for it. Okay, in so this literally is just only because we were just discussing the podcast. Yeah. In Can you shed light on an area of your life where you have or do you currently feel lonely? Oh, well, yes, of course. I think that I think as humans, as an individual, I think I have a deep sense and longing for belonging. And I think as we've been talking about this whole podcast, I think that when you are a critical thinker in a critical thinker and a woman in the church, you lack belonging. And so in one regard, I don't feel like quote unquote, again, your quotes, you can't see. Yeah. Um, to non Christian for the conservative Christians to, sorry, to Christian for the conservative Christians and not Christian. I'm getting this backwards in my brain. But basically, like, I don't fit in either camp that I was describing of, like, the very church people and the secular people if we we're going to divide culture into mm-hmm. only two. And so I would say I am too too critical in my nature and observations for just church life. But I really have a faith. And so then where do I fit? And so then all of the time you're asking this question, where do I fit in culture? Mm-hmm. And you, it turns out you don't. And then you have to go, like, am I okay with that? And you have to carry on. And you have to like find communities and people where you do belong. Um, does that make sense? Absolutely. And so it's just it does. like I actually you you wake up one day and you go I don't fit. Right. And, and there's then like it's no follow up. How do you do that. it? Yeah. yeah. 
like where do you find your your place of belonging when you actually don't fit well I want to take that then to acknowledge how approachable you have made this question this concept this entire podcast I appreciate you so much oh thank you so much thank you for having me yeah for real last one you ready yeah I I have one more (laughs) if you could leave the listeners with one message what would it be just one message I would say you probably already left them with like 76 but yeah I would say it would be I go down go down to your basement and explore what you're afraid of down there and walk through it and upon walking through it you will learn a lot about who you are and therefore approach life in a, a way that is totally unanticipated um so don't be afraid of the darkest places Kelly Rose Lamb thank you thank you it's been a pleasure yeah Holy, <laughs> I love that after this podcast, I have so many different things to think about too. So thank you for your perspectives. Thank you. Thank you so much listeners to listening to another episode of the Safe Haven podcast. Please make sure you subscribe, rate and review these messages. If you are interested in supporting the podcast in more ways than just listening, if you go to the safehavenpodcast.podbean.com and look at the top right, there's a little green button that says become a patron. This is where you can donate as much or as little as you like. There is no obligation. It's just another way that you can make sure that this podcast continues and that my equipment is covered while I chase these incredible stories. Tell your friends about the podcast. That really helps too. I appreciate all of the time that you spend listening to these stories and messages. And I will talk to you next week.